Welcome to another episode of The Gray Area. Today we sat down with Mike McCrudden, a full-time content creator, YouTuber, and host of Before They Were Famous, a YouTube channel with over 3 million subscribers. Michael McCrudden has over 10 million followers across his platforms, over 1 billion views generated. He was the king of YouTube when I was a creator. I'm a big fan, and I'm so blessed to have him on the show. Hope you enjoy. Well, so, so, so yeah, like I was, I started YouTube in 2009, like as an actor, right? So you can't get a commercial, you make your own commercial, your own rap video, whatever. I had this channel parked, which became before they're famous. Then um, you're on Craigslist looking for small gigs. Some guy hires me to host YouTube videos. So then I see this guy's making a fortune. Like he's buying a condo, he's getting engaged, his life. And I'm like, we're making these videos and no discredit to him. He figured it out before everyone. But I was like, these videos are kind of weird. Like we're talking about aliens and we're talking about girls with three boobs. And I'm like, who the hell is watching this shit? So then in my spare time, I see him getting ahead. So I'd go home and I'd start like, let's, let's make something of um, I, what I thought was more value, like a, a biography on, on Jim Carrey or Russell Brand. These were like my first few videos. So I made those in my basement and they were outperforming my rap videos and the stuff that was centered on me. So then when I look back and I'm like, oh, YouTube sent me a hundred bucks. And then I was like, YouTube sending me a hundred bucks a day. And then I think my first paycheck was like 10 grand. The next one was almost a hundred mm-hmm. grand. And then I'm like, oh, that's it. This and I was so all funny. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane. So like what year would have this have been? 2014, 2015 time? 2013? So I, I started working on YouTube 2013. Mm-hmm. And then by the time, the December of 2015, I got that big check. So it was... Before yeah. they're famous, gangbusters, I'm a YouTuber now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that guy was nice enough. He uh, he let me use his his studio to do my show, like, after 5 p.m., For like sure. his green screen, all his lighting and stuff. So then I would hire my friends from college to be my editors or my writers. Mm-hmm. And then Before They're Famous just became a mammoth for quite a few years. It was huge. Like, I yeah. was creating content back in the day. I was playing playing Grand Theft Auto, making Grand Theft Auto videos. And I remember, I think it was the Leafy Is Here video came out, and yeah. I was like, Cause I would listen to all of his, I wanted to be kind of like a leafy is here type of guy. And then you just like, when you made that video, I think I, I feel like the leafy channel was a, a little iffy, but like, that's when I really found you. And I, I, I wanted to get into documentary style content. Yeah. So like you were doing the right thing. I watched to this day, a lot of Snapchat content of like, um, bad history, like yeah. stuff like that. Um, but like nobody has the energy that you were putting into these videos. And I think that's what was kind of like uplifting. Cause I was like, maybe he'll make a video on me one day. Maybe this that, will happen. Yeah. That's sort, yeah. That sort of idea behind it. Totally. And it was way before podcasts. Right. And mm-hmm. that, and me being like older than most, like I'm probably 10 years older than leafy. So I just want to know who the hell you are and what you're all about. I don't, I didn't really care to watch him for 20 minutes every for day. Sure. Cause like, I just was like more, more into like movies and TV and Hollywood than gamers or whatever. Mm. So, but there was a big market for like, just look so much straight traffic. to the point. What the fuck is this guy's sorry for swearing. No, it's all good. What is the point of this guy? Why he, why is he so famous? And uh, people like him were a real enigma, right? Like he didn't show his face at the time. Mm. Uh, what he says is it, is it fact or is it fiction? And uh, people were really like uh, angry. Like, you know, how dare you use my name? And like, then even if I got it all right, they'd be mm. like, None of it's right. So how many people have reached out to you? Like how many famous people are mad at you <laughs> or like mad. not, not mad at you, but maybe like, I can't believe, like, how did you get all this information sort of thing? Oh, like, every, like it was, you get those calls all the time. Or did you even still? Yeah. Like now I do, I would just did an interview at universal music last week and the, and the kids, uh, a 22 year old rapper, Charlie on a Friday. Yeah. He's like, bro, I grew up watching yeah. you, man. Like you were my childhood. I'm like, 
the That's much music VJ of this next generation. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 huge. Like every time I make a video, especially 2015 to probably around 2020, the first person to watch it was typically the person I was talking about. Like it gets suggested to them. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, like I could run through names, but literally. Everyone. Yeah, like who's the most interesting person you've been able to meet because of content marketing and content creation, would you say? I meet them all kind of virtually being in Canada. Um, But like, I remember, man, I did one. I remember being in Toronto just like on a night out and Murda Beats. I didn't even know Murda. I hadn't done them yet. I didn't. I just knew the name Murda Beats works with with Drake and everybody in the Migos. Yeah. And he gets out of a limo. Apparently I'm at his birthday party. And I shook hands with his security guard because mm-hmm. it's a big black guy with chains. I'm like, that's got to be murder beats. And then it's this Justin Bieber haircut. That's so funny. And I'm like, all right, hey, what's up? He's like, yo, I love your shit. I watch your, all your videos. And I'm like, oh, that's mm-hmm. murder beats. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's like, uh, For ba- sure. everyone like, and then I've been out to Hollywood so many times. Everyone's just uh, like, you, you're not famous till you're on before they were famous. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, obviously the channel's like, 10 years old. So sure. uh, podcasts are uh, longer for like an hour. An hour is going to outrank my 10 minute yeah. live streams now too. Like it's crazy. Live streams just right to the top of the search because the watch time yeah. right away when you plug it in instantly you get whatever the watch time was. Wow. So with, with your content then like, did you, did you feel like you achieved what you wanted to achieve through it? Or did you kind of like go in a different direction? Like, are you, Doing acting gigs now? Or like, what are you doing now? I, I just had a TV. No, I did a TV show on Tuesday. They came to my house and did a Discovery Plus show about Tory Lanez and Megan The Stallion. I was like the internet expert on how that all played out. So opportunities keep popping up because of, mm-hmm. of the notoriety and the brand. Um, I'm working actively on building this big database website for all the content I've made to live cross-platform and on its own platform. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, there's such a like bucket of stuff that I've done. Like I'm, I'm actually a massive TikToker now. I'm a massive Snapchatter. Yep. It's just, um, it's not centralized as before they're famous was just on YouTube. So, so consistent for so mm-hmm. long. Everyone knows me from that, but me and my wife still make videos every day. We still make money off YouTube. It's just um, like everything's spread out. So people talk about like kind of where I was at when I was at my height, right? So a lot of people who watch my content and listen to my content, they're in the real estate agent, real estate space. There are a lot of real estate agents. A lot of them are nervous to get into content creation and they don't realize the value. They're like, what if I offend somebody? Like, how am I going to get any opportunities from this? Like, what would you have to say to those people? Why should they start? I totally get that because you're, you're kind of trading off your, your privacy in a sense. Like back in the day, uh, people would like, use Snapchat just for like flirting or, you know, like mm-hmm. pics of their stuff. And st- and now it's a total business. Right. Yeah. So I remember like young actors would come in and I'd be like, yo, don't say anything or, or do anything. Cause we'll ask you to make videos that you'll be like five years from now. I wish I never did that. Mm-hmm. So I was always very sensitive and aware being someone that was from like, I had an IMDB. I was somewhat of some uh, credibility. I like sure. the internet's a different game. Right. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, the, yeah, the win that you can get now that if you do take the risk, put get out of your comfort zone, put yourself out there, like the rewards are incredible. Like, for example, my wife, when she started YouTubing, like we're dating and she's like, yeah, I'd be interested in doing it. You know, people started calling her the most wor- like terrible things like like uh, like she was a transgender or that they hated her voice wow. or get your hair fixed. Right. But did she ever have a job that made like 
like six figures. Mm. No. So, mm. you know, like it's go trade for off. it. Yeah. I think when, uh, what I'm realizing now and what I'm telling to people is that like anybody who's judging you, they're still watching you. So they're a fan. Like they're kind of jealous because they aren't putting themselves out there and they're, they're making fun of you because that's what they would have said about themselves if they were in that position. And honestly, when people f- grab onto something that they start to criticize you about, it's almost a blessing in disguise because like the way I did my show was very, uh, Hey guys, what's going on? And I kept that. And yeah. people were like, why does he talk like that? And like, this guy thinks he's a TV host or whatever. But, but because of the consistency and that, that made me stand out. Mm-hmm. It might've been a negative at first, but it also became something of notoriety. And you definitely need to do something original that makes you stand out. Yeah. Well, I was like, I was probably 14 or 15 at the time when I first saw your video. So like when I saw them, like, I had ADHD, so it's just like when you were jumping from things that like I I do it in my voice now. It keeps the user engaged. Like when you actually use your voice as a, as like almost like an instrument or a tool for your content. Like most people don't even think about those things. So I I think I've da- maybe some hard living, but also damn it, like just shouting for ten years has probably damaged my vocal cords. 100%. But you know. <laughs> that's that's just life right you, mm-hmm. if you're a construction worker you're gonna have calloused hands mm-hmm. so so with, with you um like what are your what are your plans what are your plans for the future with all of the social media profiles where do you think people where do you think they're going it's so hard to, like uh, every day i'm inundated with uh because i'm in the biz still right so i'm getting uh suggested to to do shorts and then all of a sudden vertical content doesn't pay and now it's the future so it's really just changing so drastically. Uh, we're in talks for me to to do the podcast version of my show out mm-hmm. in LA. Sit down with people That'd be very cool on reality shows and rappers and have them actually react to the stuff I've said in the past and then go more into depth. Mm-hmm. But these are uh, you know like two hour productions, right? So you want to get like sponsored up and you want to uh, make sure the, the thing's going to run seamlessly. And it's a different era. Like I'd almost like want to have a deal where I know this is going to be on Roku or uh, some kind of like Hulu streaming service yeah. just to guarantee I'm going to get those million views. Right. Cause it's, you're going to put a lot of your, your time and energy and invest in making it work. So I'm kind of working on the fine details before I go out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I think like I, the way that I look at podcasts, I look at it a little differently. It was like podcast is just an opportunity to get you in front of these people. And like when they feel the energy and when they feel you, like they're going to come back and now they want to pay you to do something. So like you can prospect, you can go out and try to get leads, but if you invite people into your podcast room and you really show and tell them your story, they want to be part of that. And then you can sell stuff to your guests. So in your case, it's a little bit differently because you've built that show and built that audience already. But for real estate agents and for any business owners, like if you're going about it in that formality, you're going to build so much trust so quickly. Yeah. And you're not, you're not the first guy. Like the reason that we met was because Mm -hmm. my other buddy, Rob, who's had me on his podcast, he's New Street Media. He was like, yo, check out this kid in St. Catharines who's killing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just hit you with a follow. <laughs> and, and, and your way, I think you guys are trying to do something similar, but it seems like you've got, you've got he was never a YouTuber, right? Yeah, for so sure. you have all this uh, technology tricks, uh, notoriety of, in that space. That's, uh, it was really eye-opening to me. And you're bringing that into a business that's already pretty lucrative. You know, everyone needs a house. So it's mm. got a lot of foundation and consistency. You're never going to go to business, but that's something I never did. I, I attached myself to Hollywood. 
you sure. attached yourself to uh, to real estate. It's yeah, amazing. The way, the way that I look at it in real estate is like everyone is going to need a house. And the, the cool part about this is I don't think content creators know how to make money using content creation. And real estate agents, they make enough money where off of their commissions, they can afford marketing at a high level. And a lot of content creators don't realize that they should just spend their time creating content for other people, mastering their craft and figuring out how to do it. And then using that free time to be able to create their own content, to build their brand. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. And then we're actually launching a platform in the, in the next year or so for content creators to be able to just leverage our platform and our knowledge to be able to go ahead and do this as well. So like the big difference for me was like, I was a YouTuber. So I built an audience of 80,000 subscribers. We were bringing in about 5 million views a month playing Grand Theft Auto, like duplicating cars in the game. And like we'd sell them to make in-game money. So Rockstar Games, one of the ways they made money was they sold in-game money, like the shark cards. Like skins? No, no. they would sell money in the game. And one oh, of yeah, the ways okay. that you can get money is by duplicating cars and selling them. Wow. So Rockstar Games oh. reached out to us, gave us a cease and assist letter, and we had to stop that. I got shut down two or three times on YouTube, terminated. Like That's the only reason why I don't build really my personal brand. Once you're terminated, you're not really supposed to have another channel. So like... I started a vlog channel after that. I grew it to 14,000 subscribers and then terminated randomly one day. And it was so, the big, the big problem there was I had a video called how to remove iCloud from your iPhone and it was a daily vlog. And then at the end of the daily vlog, I showed them how to do it. And if they couldn't figure out how to do it themselves, I sent out a website and I started sending all of this traffic to the website and this website didn't know where this traffic was coming to. And then I sent them a message and I was like, this is when my video started really blowing up. It went from like, the first month, I think I got like 100 views. And then I was sitting in class in Ottawa and it went from 100 views to 1,000 views. And I'm like, sick. This is on somebody's suggested video. It hit, it hit the SEO or something. And then every day, 1,000 views, now 10,000 views. And then I worked out a deal with them and they were paying me 20 pounds for every person I would send to their website. I was making three grand US like profit at like 16, 17 years old. And I was like, wow, like there's a business here. The internet's so that's crazy. Kinda, that's when I realized like, hey, I got to help other people do this stuff because they have the businesses. Yeah. We just have to build the audience for them and we have to send the traffic to the places. And you you went back to the earliest one, the GTA, 5 million views a month is a lot of views. Yeah. So we were all search engine because we were basically, whenever there was a new um, release of the, uh, basically, whenever there was a new update on it everybody would be searching for it. So it's yeah. like 1.33 solo money glitch. Yeah. If you got the top of the search right away, it was like a hundred thousand views yeah. one day, like same day. And then every day I would just post the same video basically. And it was hundred thousand views. So that, views, and I think we're views. talking about the good old days of YouTube. Cause that's obviously where I got so successful was I had the, the first video on Cardi B post Malone when everyone was searching them at their peak mm -hmm. or when the internet was just really when, like when I started doing my show, there was no real good Hollywood shows. And the TV shows weren't uploading their stuff to the internet. No. So I, if I got Cardi B on the right day, I was top ranked for a month. Mm -hmm. You'd be in like the YouTube suggested tab all the time or yeah. top trending. I would see it pop up whenever their big name was there. Yeah. Like top 50 all the I time, know. especially in Canada because it was nobody was creating. In Canada. No, yeah, I remember Nelk was uh, that one with trending in Canada for sure. Yeah. So Nelk is it's pretty crazy where they've grown to. And it's, it's so crazy how small of a world it is in the real estate space. Literally my biggest client has connections into Nelk. So yeah. it's just like all how small of a world it truly is. And not that many people are creators. Like 1% of people create content for the internet. And if you can leverage and figure out how to do it, like you don't really have to work. You can just build an audience wow. and be yourself on yeah. camera. No, it's been a wild ride. And uh, it kind of embodied like years of like, I love to write. I love to present. I like to be a bit of a character. I love making thumbnails. I loved art. And then so you, you know, would make the thumbnails yourself. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. They've evolved over the years. There's people have come been on the team. They would make them. Um, but back in the really early days, I was yeah, I designed yeah. that whole Hollywood Hill thing. So now everybody asks, like, you were bringing in a million views a video. Yeah. How much money would you make off of a million views? Um, yeah, the money was never. I don't know if it's because I was in hip hop or what. The money was never like. Crazy. crazy everybody thinks it's nuts like when i got five million views i thought i was gonna be making a hundred thousand dollar paycheck yeah nothing i think a thousand bucks i got but as a channel as a whole if your whole channel like i think my probably my peak was like 50 million views a month and uh but i, I don't know if it was like pre-adpocalypse or or post-adpocalypse but i don't know if i i only once did i ever get to that six figure month One mark check, like yeah. the first month when I 2015, I got a viral video with Roman Atwood, DJ Khaled, Dan Bilzerian. Wow. All of them the tweeting them out. And I was just starting. Yeah. And that was like 100K because I don't know. It was like the really early Fousey Tube, Roman Atwood. Like, I remember this whole thing when they were like almost fighting too. I, was, it was wasn't just there starting. A mess happening between the two of them? They were, I, they were making a movie, mm-hmm. uh, fake beef movie. or real beef. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But it was just so like DJ Khaled wasn't even an A-list celebrity. He was just this character mm-hmm. who got on Snapchat. Like I found him before he actually was famous yeah, yeah, yeah. before my mom would know who he was. Um, anyway, so so, yeah, then some of those videos probably like made like, you know, 10 grand, 13 grand. Uh, but then the whole YouTube thing just it was never really about like one video. And the reason the show had to be daily was because you needed the whole thing to grow to really make the big system. money to pay your writers, your editors, your, uh, you know, and like living in Canada, like I had a guy, my producer was making like 70 grand, you know, like you Mm. hope to give them a quality life as well. So the pressure's on to always just keep growing. For sure. What would you say is your most proudest video? What was your most enjoyable one to make? I didn't. Yeah. There were some really like some really funny ones. I used to, you'd also have more shelf life. You'd have time where a video would, you'd know you'd get like a good month of growth. Mm-hmm. So like someone like, I think it was like big pun or fat Joe. I would make a lot of these like funny fat jokes. Like not that mm-hmm. I was shading them, but like, it was like when fat Joe tells you, you have a weight problem, big pun, you should probably pay attention. Like <laughs> his name's fat Joe and he's telling you you're obese. Like 100%. just little funny little parts of my personality I was able to insert was great, which mm-hmm. became harder and harder to do as the audience got bigger, but probably my own before they were famous was something I worked on for a couple weeks and really ironed out like the story I wanted to tell and how mm-hmm. I wanted to tell it and some Jim Carrey shout outs and all that kind of stuff. Interesting. Interesting. So like when you were, cause you, where were you living when you were creating most of this content in Toronto or? Well, I was, yeah, I was living with my pa- parents till I was 30 and, uh, because yeah, the, uh, before That's YouTube really and stuff. Cool. I love that because of the YouTube world, like how crazy it can change someone's life. Oh my God. Overnight. It changed overnight. And I was, yeah, I was a bit of a, like a loser, right? Like I was trying to make TV shows, trying to get, be an actor and nothing was clicking. So until I had the foundation of the internet, can I really. The timing just wasn't right. Cause like right now, like I've never had a job because I learned as a kid, I'm born the same year as Google was created. So like oh. I grew up knowing this stuff, but like yeah. I know social, I talk to a camera better than I talk to other people. It's weird. <laughs> Wow. Talking to a wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You just gave me a tour off camera and I, I might agree with you. Yeah, I would definitely, I would a hundred, like I do most of my sales through a webinar or through my content marketing. And then over time, people just know who I am. So when they meet with me, it's more of like a, like a, a fan style uh, meeting. So yeah. like, it's a lot easier to go about the conversations and stuff, but like, yeah, like I'm a shy, awkward person and the camera just makes that 10 times easier. 
like that's why I create for other people is because I usually help bring out the best in, in certain people because I know what they're trying to achieve yeah. and I can kind of be inside of their head while they're just focusing on creating content and getting the different angles, cool. all that sort of stuff. Any speaking engagements or anything because of it? No, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I never did a TED talk or um, I've been booked for things like, like, you know, there's been a ton of stuff over my life, but COVID's mm-hmm. also like been a lot of downtime, right? The world's restructuring and stuff. So nothing really comes to mind. Like I'm sure I've done it, but I don't mm. like, not like I'm being flown out to, uh, to, to, to teach everything I've learned. What's your perspective on Mr. Beast? Did you ever do a video on him? Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Mr. Beast and the rich life. Yeah. yeah. That when he came, when he came up, it was, uh, it was a game changer. I'm like, okay, the PewDiePie era, the, the bed, like there are, there's still the bedroom guys like moist critical that are, that, that keep the, the the ecosystem of creators going, but Mr. Beast changed everything from uh, amateur hour to professional uh, one-upping. Every video mm. one-ups the other, and every kid that I see trying to really make a name for himself now is more of a Mr. Beast wannabe sure. than a PewDiePie wannabe. So it's pretty interesting because like when I was in the YouTube space, there were, we were in the Grand Theft Auto space. That's when we really started figuring out clickbait. So we... Back in the day, I was in uh, calls with all of the guys in the UK and everybody, every single night, this one kid who was 13 at the time, his name was I Am Serum. So he's now a massive YouTuber, has like 10 million subscribers. His name's Serum Reacts, I think is the channel. And he invited like the Mr. Beast crew into the Zoom. It was Skype at the time. So he invited the, the group into the call. I never spoke to the guy, but being in a group call, like, I thought the whole clickbait was manipulative. He was kind of explaining to us all like how it works, how that whole game works because at that point, like he was young and he knew that like, if you put in the work, you'd get the results. Like his video that got him famous was counting from zero to 100,000. And then he did 100 in in one sitting. And like that kind of made me realize like, it's not all about like who is the best content is who's willing to put in the most work to get on top of the platforms. Totally. Mm-hmm. gaming the system you really can if it's it's title thumbnail over everything then watch time uh and he's figured that out and then the reinvestment like you know not, you have to be that young and that ambitious because if you make 100 grand you want to save at least 50 of it you know what i mean this isn't like mm-hmm. you getting a million subscribers is kind of like hitting the lottery but you don't want to go and reinvest your lottery winnings but mm-hmm. you know he's the right guy to pull it off and uh long live the king, I think he'll be wearing the crown forever. Uh, so I, I, I would kind of agree with you there. I think that Mr. Beast, like he's, he's got a good system going. And I think like he's taught a lot of people to just reinvest all of your income and to figure out how to create income from other things. So like within gray media, like the one reason why our content outperforms most is because I'm not looking to create income or as much income as most content creators offer this because I care more about the attention because the attention is the new form of like income. Like if you have an audience, you can make money the next day if you properly know how to sell to an audience. You're teaching me now. So I'm a little more old school and seasoned than you. I haven't found really the, obviously there's sponsorships and there's, uh, there's opportunities, but Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't really figured, I never did affiliate marketing. I never did um, merch sales. I never got into NFTs and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I know there's a lot of money out there, but you're telling me stuff I didn't know. So like, I I just kind of like break down how the bigger guys are doing it. So if you look at Mr. Beast with the Mr. Beast burger and all the different business models, like I think those are great, but I think that they're going out after like too much of an easier consumer business. You're making $2 off a chocolate bar. You're making $1.50 off of a burger, but your brand like 
if you target real estate agents and you get famous for real estate agents, real estates have money. Real estate agents have money. You can get sponsorship deals with Audi. You can get sponsorship deals with the real businesses and then you can launch your own business. So that's what we're trying to do because our offering and the audience that I have is just a bigger, the, the circles are just, they have more money. So when I sell to them, when they see the ROI versus most people who are buying from YouTubers, like they don't have any money. They're asking for refunds because the quality of the product is so low. Yeah. I think like doing drop shipping for so long. Do you know what drop shipping is? I know. What so it it's is, basically yeah. loading photos from AliExpress onto my own website. I would order some of the products because I was a photographer and videographer myself. And then I would brand the website because I knew how to do it through YouTube. And then I would make Instagram content. And literally I would just pay big influencers on Instagram. So Outlander was the, was the niche that, you know, the TV show Outlander. No. So it's like an older women t- uh, TV show. It's all Scottish Celtic jewelry, all that sort of feel. Yeah. So that's what I built. I built a, a, a Scottish store with Celtic jewelry on there with scarves on there. And I found this Instagram influencer with 400,000 followers called uh, Outlander official sent her a message asking how much for a post. It was 40 bucks. She posted a photo of like the jewelry that I was selling. She put my link in her bio and $800 in sales in her first day. And I was like, wow, you can make money through this. And then I found a pop figure. We launched it on there. She posted it for six hours and we had $6,000 in sales and she took it down because she realized how much business we were doing from it. Um, and that's kind of what really opened my eyes up to like, you have to set up different products because you bring traffic in. And if you don't have an offering, you're not going to convert that traffic because that traffic is in the moment. Like they're buying on emotion. So you really have to have all your systems set up beforehand. Like when I set up my Grand Theft Auto channel, I didn't have any sponsorship deals or anything. So as soon as my video started blowing up, I wasn't making money off of anything. But because yeah. that video with uh, a million views, when, when I had only 100 views on it, I already had that link in the description. Mm. So as soon as it blew up, like I was getting clicks. So like really, really think about your systems and how you're going to make money and all mm-hmm. your processes, even before creating all your content. I'm going to sit back. Is that okay? Yeah, that's totally good. I'm getting old. I pulled my back. Did you? Yeah. Uh, so, so I see, I see you're on Instagram. I see you're on TikTok. Like what platform would you say is the smartest one to be on right now? Well, you just taught me something very valuable there, right? Like I've been like waiting for TikTok to monetize. Okay. I'll sit forward. I waited for TikTok to monetize and um, it's never going to happen or it hasn't happened or they're going to want to make longer content. Um, but TikTok, man, like it kind of reinvigorated my notoriety. All of a sudden everyone's like, yeah, I remember this guy. And I hit a million again in like, I don't know, it was probably like eight months mm. uh, because I've done it so many times. I know how to kind of just ride that wave. Um, but TikTok doesn't pay. YouTube does pay. Snapchat pays. Facebook pays. But TikTok gives you the views. Uh, it, I guess it just depends what you're going after. But the whole vertical, the whole vertical format is amazing because you could do the same video on every platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, the long format, you could do the same thing on Facebook. Um, you know, you know how it is. It's pretty crazy because the vertical content, like I think Mr. B said it is like, this is the first time in history that you can go viral on different platforms with the same piece of content without people even knowing yeah. like the way that I look at it is like, so TikTok is like a CNN, like Instagram is Fox news and like the different channels because I don't watch TikTok, but my girlfriend watches TikTok. I search things using YouTube because I grew up using YouTube. Yeah. She's looking up how to do things for her son using TikTok. I'm like, mm. it's not a search algorithm, but now it is. So like literally yeah. everything, I'm kind of nervous. How do you feel with the whole like uh, Chinese government and everything being shut. Like, do you are you nervous there with your following? Like, do you think on TikTok getting taken away? Like I said, I'm not. I don't live off. The, it doesn't make me any revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So it won't change much, but notoriety, uh, which I don't think I'm. You know, that's not why I get out of bed in the morning. Like, for sure, to be. For the I don't actually. It's so funny because, like, at my age, I, 
I'm, like my my wife makes TikTok videos, right? And she gets maybe two thousand views on her personal page, and then I'm like, oh wow, I got six million on TikTok. Like it doesn't really excite me because mm-hmm. I don't. I've done it so many. Like who cares? Wow, really? I don't so care. A video that when it hits a million, it's like whatever. If I guess if there's monet, like if it goes viral on YouTube and you're gonna mm-hmm. make ten x what you usually make, I would be like, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. but I've just done, I've probably made 10,000 videos. Like I don't, sure. I'm just over it. Like, but I know every kid that's their dream, right? You want that attention and stuff. Um, I'm just a seasoned vet. So just, the notoriety doesn't really do much for me. For sure. Uh, how do you balance like creating content relationships, your actual life? Cause that's something I struggle with. I'm creating so much content all the time. Like I kind of remove myself from reality. I don't even know what's happening because I'm just so into my content and what I'm doing. I learned pretty early on that, um, my partner, my wife now is a YouTuber that it had to be that way because the life is so all encompassing. You are going on camera daily and you're typically you're 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 sharing your life with these people because that's what keeps them coming back right there's the personal connection so dating outside of that just was not going to happen because you have to be so committed so invested mm-hmm. you got to jump all in if you want to be an entrepreneur if you want to be a creator you want to be any of these things so it was pretty obvious she had to join and that she obviously she didn't know who I was when we met which was also good because you don't want to date someone who's into you for the wrong reasons but uh, she was a writer and uh, she had done some like Playboy. She was out, she like a car dealer on a green screen for like a gambling site. Interesting. With the Playboy bunny costume. Yeah, yeah. So she was on camera as well. So a lot of those things, I'm like, you've got enough experience to mm. host a few videos and she she blew up so yeah it worked out i've always been curious to how those things work is it like a warehouse with different like dealers like or is it like an actual casino or like how do they film them is that everybody works from home sort of thing do you know i was never there uh it was before i met her but it's a bunch of women uh in a studio probably similar to this but there's a big green screen there's costumes and there's a there's a deck but it's all virtual, right? Yeah. You're like the fantasy girl. Well, I, I play um, I play uh, blackjack all the time on on my phone, and like it's a real person because they're talking, and like it feels like it's it's interesting and the environments that they create. For stuff uh, apps. I don't know if they'll be real people forever. It's going to be cartoon girls, and mm-hmm. if it's not already, right? What about AI? Have you been using ChatGPT at all for your content or <clears> anything? You have to be on that if you want to even stay alive in this game. But we did, we try to get a few scripts written for like, I've got like seven different channels, right? Yeah. All of them Hollywood entertainment based. But we, we found there was a lot of errors in biographies and like t- mm. telling someone's story that we couldn't automate it with a the, computer. Yeah. I think the thing is with right now with ChatGPT is it's um 2019 and sooner. That's the, it doesn't go back further than that it doesn't have any of that information but like it'll pull together some things about me where i'm like how the hell does this algorithm find this stuff we even asked it to talk in the way of michael mccrudden that was able to do that yeah which was mind-blowing crazy it's scary so like have you ever heard of jasper.io yeah so that's a i would probably look at them for writing the scripts because they have a little bit of an older chat log to use um where do you where do you see AI changing the YouTube space? Have you, did you hear about all the new changes with a new CEO? He, they're going to make it so you could change clothing right inside of the YouTube just with the swiping on there with AI. Really, You're going to change the creator's I mean. outfit? Yeah, creator's outfits, where they're located, like green screening, all of this stuff directly in YouTube. It's, it's weird. I know. I don't know any of this. It. This is crazy. So the new CEO of YouTube, he literally came down because they're they're losing. They're losing in the fights right now with like TikTok and with all of the other platforms. So they have to make a big change. 
They just released like YouTube podcasts, which is a massive side of the platform. And then I think the AI space is really going to change the way it's done. I wonder, I'm, if I was YouTube, why wouldn't you want to help your creators with like tags, with descriptions? I feel like that's where they should really be pushing the AI to work versus yeah. in the content. Because I think it brings a cheesy level when people are changing the clothing and uh, Yeah, that's really interesting to me. I was at YouTube headquarters Canada two, three, four weeks ago. And they did mention the podcast thing to me, which I'm like, that's I'm going to do a, a post while we're talking. For sure. Um, and I remember, so the podcast, they were like, totally. And we're doing things to help you. They told me about language. I guess if you're watching it in English, you can change it to Arabic or Mandarin or whatever the hell you want. I didn't know about the clothing and stuff. That's phenomenal. But I did also get the sense that like they're, they're, they're feeling the burn of mm. rumble, mm. Snapchat, tick, TikTok's the got to be the elephant in the room. So it's interesting to see what they're going to do. And yes, yeah, Susan stepping down is kind of uh, concerning. Also, all these government policies coming in. Yeah, they just they're like, we can't beat them. We're going to join them, but they're going to play by our rules. And that's really disheartening and defeating because I guess we're all on the, the Internet because it's fun and exciting and not mm. as regulated. It's now, just, yeah. I want to hear your opinion. So I'm, I'm more so moving into my goal is in the next five years to build my own social platform it's on the internet. Why don't we see any creators actually owning or running any of these platforms? I feel like they are the ones who actually know what we want. I've seen, there was McJuggernuggets did fire something fire starter. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what happened with that. Uh, it's a huge undertaking and a huge investment uh, and I feel like, 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 why doesn't someone start their own car company mm -hmm. to compete well, with even, Ford? Even it's in hard. the way of like, see how Elon Musk bought Twitter. I could yeah. see Mr. Beast being a killer CEO of Twitter because he's going to know what the platform needs as a creator because yeah. he's been doing it so long. You're right. The next, the next gen. Uh, I know, but we need to see more super financially secure creators mm -hmm. rise to the top. And it's such a, it's such a journeyman to get there. Like Logan Paul, KSI. Mr. Beast, Vanos Gaming. I know there's probably a good hundred of them. So Vanos, he's, he's actually local. He came from, he came locally. So it's funny when I was like 12, 13, like I was able to do all this deep end research. I know his actual name. Like I knew where he, I, I found all of his hockey content way before this. I was trying to actually meet him and he, he messaged me back and he was kind of like, stop being a stalker. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, wow, I wanted to create a piece of content with this guy. So it's pretty crazy. Like you have to kind of know how to present yourself to these people to actually get in those meetings. It's not just about getting in front of them and being a fanboy. Like what is your opinion on fanboys? Well, obviously that, uh, that situation that you went through is something that I had to, I learned the hard way myself, right? Yeah. Like if I sat around waiting for Vanos to give me an interview in 2015, I wouldn't have gotten the 3.8 million views I got on this before they're famous. Now mm. I know he's trying to hide his personal life and, and keep it a secret. So I played within the, the, the information that he's allowed to leak out. Uh, I didn't expose his house address mm -hmm. or whatnot, but yeah, that's, it's kind of uh, fan. Am I stalking these people or whatnot? I'm like, listen, someone's going to be Googling and if it's not me, that someone else is going to be doing it. They'll probably do a shittier job. So I had to really come to terms with, I'm going to rub some people the wrong way. But it's like eat or get eaten. And I always thought I did it with some uh, some respect, some positivity, some man, you're famous. Like that's mm -hmm. a good thing. That's be, a yeah. that's a it's great really a celebration. One, yeah. Sure. So I know what you're saying about pissing some people off uh, looking into their past. If that's like, a question I had was 
was anybody, I actually had this question like more so after I got the cease and desist letter. Does anybody want ad revenue splits or do people reach out asking for those things like the teams ever? Uh, oh my God. I feel, I feel like, whoa, like Vicky, like people that are bad, like bad baby, like back in the day, people would be like, maybe, or they'd be mad that I got more views than their music video or something. But who did the, the record labels came after me around yeah, 2019, the record labels, uh, really I, 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 at least 300 videos in like one weekend. Boom. And, and that tanked my algorithm because if say you got 600 videos and 300 of them stop getting views because now they're claimed and whatever that then the YouTube's algorithm is being alerted that, Oh, half his video stopped, half his channel stopped growing. Now the whole channel starts to decline. Mm -hmm. So they kind of like, uh, shut me down or like, you know, kind of put a pause on, they, on they the growth. cut my, cut my legs off back mm. in 2019. Any tips for keeping engaged, more engaging on, on content? Mm. Let me add to that though. For when sure. they did do that, I actually got a call from like one of the heads of YouTube. Like this guy's been with Colin and Samir and he's talked, he's, he's the guy. I can't remember his name, for sure. but he then implemented the, you know how remember trimming was like, Mm -hmm. hard to do and now if you get a claim you can easily remove that from your video they implemented that soon after hollywood record labels attacked me and that like that's better the system you can't get mass claim like i was so if anyone's watching this like oh it's not even worth it someone could shut you down they there was they're always fixing bugs and improving things so that which shouldn't happen to anyone ever again what's your current favorite platform what do you personally use <clears throat> um i really enjoying snapchat Snapchat came out of nowhere for me and became a Snapchat. huge, a huge revenue source. Um, some of our videos, I just had a, a video on this cop girl who hooked up with all the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've done like three videos that have gone over a million views. I don't views. understand that. Like it's Snapchat because I, I consume all my media from Snapchat, to be honest, like when I'm bored at home. So like it's all news based content or storytelling. Like that's where I see like the, the bad history channel all the time. So it's just another version of that. So yeah. I can see for the younger audiences, like huge interest in like all these famous people, the, the, the apps growing up and it's like Elon buying Twitter. Maybe people are like, Oh, I haven't used that in 10 years or whatever, but everyone's got a Snapchat account mm -hmm. or at least they did if uh, they grew up in your generation. So there's a lot of people there. They're just kind of ramping it up with better content. And I think they gave me the green light because I'm a seasoned vet and my shows always look pretty polished. So they let me in there and um, a lot of like, you know, Facebook became a new revenue stream, all these mm -hmm. other options, but Snapchat's just the one where I seem to go viral the most and it's paid. So that's mm -hmm. all good stuff. So with Snapchat out, because I was interested in getting a show, like, do you actually have to reach out to them? Do they reach out to you? How does that whole process work? You got, there's third parties out there. They seem to be kind of guys that run social media agencies. They'll take, I think they start, they're the guys who like jelly smack. They take your YouTube stuff and put it on Facebook. Those kind of people have the contacts the to get you on Snapchat. Interesting. YouTube plaques. This is something that I was so close to getting. How was that of a feeling of an achievement to, to actually get those? Sent to you. I hear what you're saying. For me, bro, they were like frisbees. I was like, because I was like 30 something, and I got the first gold. My favorite one's the old school gold one in the in the glass case. Yes. So I do. I have that on my set, and I really like that one. But at the time, dude, I'd like I spent 10 years uh, trying to get a career going. By the time this YouTube plaque came, I'm like, what is this? Because this was like yeah. YouTube to me at the time was like kind of amateur show. Now I know it's, you know, mm. like getting on the Joe Rogan shows as good as it gets.
but the internet was still kind of amateur hour to me. So when I got them and I started, I got them all really yeah. quickly. I had explosive growth. So I probably got like seven over my career. Wow. I have them now they're on the wall, but I was treating them like, well, what, who cares? Mm-hmm. So but I know now, like I, I have a news channel and I can't get to a hundred K and I'm like, Oh man, when I get up now, I'm, now I'll know it. what it means, right? So it's I'm I'm now kind of exposing myself here, but something that I'm building for my actual social media agencies is awards. So actually, right behind you, we have see that Instagram logo. Yeah. So right below it, That's it cool. actually says like thanks for or congratulations on surpassing five thousand followers. So. I'm actually doing that on a yearly basis for any of my clients because that's why I saw most YouTubers wanting to be YouTubers was to get the YouTube plaque. That's why they wouldn't switch platforms like ClickFunnels. Like whenever you sell a million dollars on one of their funnels, they send you a plaque with their thing. They have a big, massive experience, like an event. I think it's really, really cool and it keeps the users focused, but it's interesting because I'm reaching out to guys now. There's people in my DMs all the time trying to sell me the YouTube plaques. So there's a massive market. Like nobody yeah, remakes them. How much are they? So it's, it's not as much as you'd think for a 100K play button. People are charging 1500 two grand for them. Yeah, so that sounds about right. I feel like there's a lot of botted channels to get them to 100K now. Yeah. Well, you yeah, have like what fake views and fake followers. Fake followers, just fake buying followers to get the number up, and then yeah. they sell the. Well, the, the va- yeah, the value for me, like so, I t- I spoke so I thought so little of it at the time, but it is a treasured piece. Now, me and my wife are like, who knew that was going to be the biggest? You know, that's my Oscar now. That's the, yeah. one of the biggest accomplishments of my life. So the value of it is definitely increased for me on a sentimental and a personal scale. But uh, I understand what you're saying. Like it, mm-hmm. these and these milestones are becoming so much harder to to they hit, hit that they really their their value is increased. I've never seen one in real life, so I think I'm gonna have to come by and oh and check totally. So I've had it's, like it's something that like I've strived for, and when I got my eighty thousand subscriber sh- channel shut down, I was like, wow, I'm not really getting back into this because it was so long. It was three years of building. Yeah. nothing and then it just all shut down so i've had guys take pictures with it and then change the name yeah. to, to their own name yeah. and yeah it's cool to see the impact it has on people because mm, like i was that, that's literally what it is like these guys have engravers they're like don't worry we'll change it so it's engraved with your name i'm like yeah but my audience is so mature now that i don't even want to do that it's not going to feel like a massive achievement if i buy one but like i feel like having those in your content especially in like a webinar or in, and if you're trying to sell to anybody yeah. it's very very powerful it's like it's a flat instant trust i just we have a spanish channel with like almost three million subscribers and that that girl relocated so she's essentially stopped doing the show and i i as a parting gift i gave her her one million plaque yeah i think it's a pretty nice thing to do do. so like with those like what would they do would they take the video and just like speak over it in spanish or yeah and like that's another thing we back in the a couple years ago i was trying to get jasper or whatnot to translate these scripts, but going from English to Spanish, there's actually so many intricacies. You can never mm-hmm. get a computer. To, you need a person to translate with their brain, English to Spanish. So that's what she would do. And then for Spanish artists that I never heard of, she would, would do original content. scripts and she would host them and she'd have, and then no one could understand her. So I would either hire bilingual, bilingual editors or she'd have her own editor and her own social media team to run that Spanish page. And um, we just started them around the same time. So the growth, trajectory was very similar. I got to 3 million. She got to 2 million mm-hmm. and uh, the business went on for a good five, six years. I, I've just made a deal. Someone else is stepping in to, to revamp that show. Amazing. But uh, as you know, with YouTube channels, they go in like different directions, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the same brand, the same name, 
but the audience is completely different. Hundred percent. Yeah, like with my, because I have, I still have one of my side channels with twenty thousand subscribers. I just don't use it. And if I post a video on there, I know I'll get a thousand views. Or if I only a thousand views, and I was getting twenty thousand video views. So when I built my audience up to eighty thousand subscribers, and I posted a vlog, I realized the audience didn't have interest in me. It was the show. So I was now repositioning what a personal brand is and how to make people want to engage with me and not just what I was doing because I had an interest in being more of like a Casey Neistat mm. than a Vanoss gaming YouTuber. But I knew how to edit like Vanoss and I knew how to get the audience because we were watching so much of it. Yeah. But I was so young that like nobody had an interest in, in It's pretty difficult to uh, change the format of a show. If you look at me, for example, like, uh, oh my God, you, you still do that. Or I've pivoted multiple times on on before they are famous to vlogs or to the news or to short news or to interviews i've mixed it up so many different ways and the youtube algorithm other is like mm -mm, you're going back to what you do because that's who we suggested to and then left the new concept sorry doesn't hit in like three i think it's like 12 week cycle or whatever like it fails like the channel mm -hmm. dies so you kind of get boxed in with the channel and doing what you do. That's another reason why vertical and Instagram and all these other things present these cool opportunities because you can do another thing. How many times have I peed myself on camera? The answer is once. No, I'm kidding. Have you actually pissed yourself on camera? <laughs> I once had a video. Oh, my God. I think I took it down out of pure embarrassment. No, but I like ran to the bathroom <laughs> and ran to film it. Why am I exposing myself? But like I dripped on myself yeah, or whatever, yeah. and then I the video it's went the video. huge, and I guess maybe like some of the comments are like, "What the fuck's on his pants?" Like I knew, I'm like, "That's a bit of a spill, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just had to, like, <laughs> like maybe it was a half a million. It was no, it was like EDP four four five. Like when he got exposed, like it was a huge video, and I'm just so like, people have no idea the pressure creators are on. Like you're running to get this done, you got to hit payroll marks, you got to do all these things. And uh, yeah, sometimes uh, mistakes happen. Andrew Tate, what's your thoughts? Oh my God, Andrew Tate. I can't talk about it in front of my wife, that's for <laughs> sure. I really liked the guy and I liked what he was telling men to be men. And uh, he, he was exposed. Like, the, like what happened to him is such a telling sign of what the powers that be don't want being said, right? They, they want everyone to just be sheep mm -hmm. and not do much but stay in their house pay their bills if they can and uh, conform. And he was just a vocal voice of like, yo, the let's be, let's be warriors. Like we were back in the Roman days yeah. or, or throughout history, men gathered together and, and defeated the King. But it, it's so funny. Like he just had a couple, eight months of notoriety globally and they cut his legs off. They've imprisoned him. And it's just really telling. Like, there's powerful people out there. They're the power behind the guy, though, like, at the peak, he was getting more searches than Vladimir Putin and the president of the United States. So think about the power of men. Like, if we ever gotten into a war state uh, status, like, how much power somebody like that really truly has. Yeah. It's like, yeah, my mom. Oh, he's a he's a disgusting rapist. And I'm like, mother, that, you're Go a deeper. consumer of the news. Go deeper, yeah. Those are the headlines. He... And uh, I, I mean, dude, he, they're in my DMs. Like I would talk to them. They would feed me stories. Mm -hmm. They were asking me to conspire to, 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 to 
talk about shit about Logan Paul, who I like. Logan Paul's a, I would say, a, a distant friend. When I got mm. married in Vegas, he was there that night. We, we met, like we, you know, hung out for ten minutes on my wedding night. You know, like so, they send me videos of him, you know, wasted or I'm, I'm like, I don't want to get involved here. Yeah, but who, like, what type of people are trying to expose these guys? Just like the random tates. people. The oh, tates, yeah, interesting. Because they're at war with each other, and then they're like, he's part of the Matrix and stuff. And you're like, geez, how interconnected is all wow. of this? It's but it's crazy. interesting, like how some people conform to the system of like YouTube of like they're doing it just for the money. And then you're seeing things like, so like with me of like why I really don't want to get into content marketing, like and really go hard on my personal brand is because like, there's so many people who will go and believe so much about one thing. And then you'll realize that they're not that same person. So like, I want to be able to really figure out this whole social media thing before I go big and be able to show everybody what and how to do it properly. Because mm. there's many people online who, get those paychecks and then the paychecks are what motivate them to continue to create content, not the audience versus mm -hmm. the audience is what's going to keep you engaged over time. Mm -hmm. I think personally. Yeah. I, I, you think he's going to get released? I did think he was. I don't know. I just saw the other day they kept him in again. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, it's just so blatantly obvious. Like uh, what were they have him on? People don't want him to succeed, to have a voice, to to exist. I don't know. It's terrifying to me, actually. Like, I remember Donald Trump was a crazy guy in power as well, more powerful. And um, just everything was discrediting everything he had to say. And, you know, if you look back, he actually had some good things to say about, oh, like, watch sure. out for China, watch out for Russia, blah, 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 blah. Everyone just treated <laughs> him like a joke. And it just shows you, like, there's powerful people controlling the media. I, I shared with you that the record label shut me down. Mm. Like, there's... You can get so far ahead, but there are some powerful people out there that really control the 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 the, the main message or like who's allowed on top. Mm -hmm. Like what 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 makes me scared and why I really want to push into the social spaces because I think that is really like America in a whole, like North America is being dumbed down by our social platforms. Like what other like countries and, and places show their people versus what we're seeing on TikTok? Like think about ten years from now. How, like, I talk to people who go to school to become a teacher or go to school to become this. And, like, they're all going off of templated uh, templates that the teacher bought from another teacher. So, like, what you're learning isn't true education. And all these kids are pushing the TikTok to learn all these things. And a lot of this is false information. I think. Man, I have, I've had teachers be, our kids being like, yeah, we watched your Rob Ford video in class. We watched your Hitler video in class. We watched yeah. your Tom Petty video. And so I'm like, oh my God, I've become part of the education system, which is fine. Cause I went to university, I went to college, I hired experienced people to help me make my show, but I was making really good content that was getting a lot of views. That should be, that is fair to, to pass in school. Maybe not the leafy video, but some of these <laughs> historic figures, but TikTok content is, is more or less trash. And yeah, if you're using it as a learning skill or they're showing my TikToks to, to kids in school, they're not going to get a ton of value out of it. Yeah, like I found that with like TikTok, like it's like ADHD. It almost makes my ADHD worse. Like when I'm not watching it, I can actually focus for longer periods of time. But like when I'm creating content now, like I get bored if I'm watching. Like I can't really, really sit through a YouTube video unless I really want to learn about that subject. It's the algorithm on steroids or on some kind of drug. Because even me, like last night, it starts putting me down wormholes. And maybe it's I'm t looking. I'm learning about the economy. I'm learning about corruption, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to bed with a lot of negative. negative energy and 
yeah, it affects you, man. Yeah, like I, I have to catch myself because I, I always find that only time I consume content is usually like in the washroom or like in bed. And like on Snapchat, it's all like the war, the war, the war, the war. And it's just like negativity. And like most people, like during this time, you can be hyper successful, but there's so many people right now that are just nervous and scared because of all the stuff that's happening in the media. Like break through and use this as an opportunity. Real estate's such a fantastic place to pivot and to make such fantastic like i love watching these house tours where these real estate guys are going through these mansions or even me are we i'm here in st Catharines. i haven't been here since college but i took a good half an hour drive just to scope out how people are living mm-hmm. uh so i think you have a great opportunity for the content you're telling me you're making because everyone loves to see a house everyone loves to see living conditions they love to see financial figures you tell them how much it's worth um i think that's really good escapism content because mm-hmm. you get to see other aspects of life and there's nothing really negative about it except for, you know, the, the, the housing market. Yeah. So the biggest, like uh, what I'm trying to build the show that I'm trying to achieve is like the MTV crypt. So like what I would love to do is be able to go into influencers house houses that aren't even for sale right now. So like, that's a big thing that me and Matt Campoli, we ho- he hosts a show called field trips and basically we'll just tour other people's listings, really high end listings, like anything over a million plus. And the people who own these properties are usually like famous people or well wealthy people. Just meeting those people. So, oh. Getting in those getting in those rooms and then creating content with those types of people is wild. But I think the MTV Cribs show would take off because you'd be able to see a lot of the influential people that you want to be seeing in really, really cool ways. I think MTV Cribs did a great job at it. But now all the TV shows that are focused on real estate, they're like tripod pans and like nobody gets creative with it. Nobody has fun with it. Right. Um, yeah. I was going to add in. It's funny how you said the the, 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 the the tinkle on yourself thing because like Ryan Serhant, I'm assuming you know who Ryan yeah. Serhant is. I was actually able to meet him. He was the first influential person I really met. And we got a photo of me, him and Matt Campoli and my flies down. Yeah. So I can't even use it for a photo. Yeah, yeah. You got to Photoshop it. Yeah, so I'm working on Photoshopping that. But like meeting influential people, like what have you learned from like people, other creators online? I remember uh, on the, like on my come up, I was, it was me, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, the guy that I worked for, David Dobrik. Um, Those are the good guys too. Then, you know, there was the bad guys. Uh, I don't even want to talk about them. (laughs) But uh, everyone had a, crazy work ethic like if you wanted to be the guy you know putting uh millions of dollars in ad revenue your way you were you were working day and night obsessed with your algorithm obsessed with uh, not allowing deters or distractions stop you so anyone who really wants to climb to the millions just has an insane work ethic and an insane amount of determination uh and uh i'm going for it F ever, anyone who wants yeah, to stop me, you total belief have to. Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally have that delusional belief that you're going to be successful. Yeah. Like if you can tell yourself that and believe that, like that's, what's going to get you through those dark nights. Cause it's very lonely. People don't realize everyone oh. thinks you're around all of these people. How many people are you really seeing on a daily basis? And it's, it's, it's seven days a week. Um, yeah, there was, there were some highs and lows there. Like I was, I, my whole life as a kid and I was a child actor famous was always something I was going to accomplish. Mm-hmm. My parents are like, he always wanted that. Right. But, uh, yeah, going through it was not as enjoyable as like, I remember I would be, in, I was now I live in Toronto and I'm dating or whatnot. And I would be like, I got 7 million views in a day on YouTube. And then I'd walk into a bar and everyone would 
no one would know me, but the few that did would pretend because they were jealous or they were like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm taking a risk. They'd be too afraid to take. They were kind of like people would like throw salt on you or like YouTube's for kids or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, shit, man, like being famous and accomplishing your dreams isn't as great. Because they're jealous. Yeah. Like that's one thing that I realized that like competitors all the time, like they're don't watch your competitors. That's one thing is you got to be very humble and don't watch your competitors because you're going to compare yourself. You, yeah. you have to be super humble. And I think the most successful people, like they have their small group and their small team and they have a secret mission and mo- nobody knows about that secret mission. And I think that's what takes you to the top is like having that end goal. Yeah. Uh, and you got to motivate your team and you got to reward them, um, which I tried to do. But yeah, some years are a lot better than other years. So now it's more me, me and my wife. You know, we we're, we're we're obviously on a, on the same team. Um, but yeah, it's, I you know I've it's a ten year journey for me. So there's been just so many different pivots. Mm-hmm. So is it the audience that keeps you going, or is it the creativity, like a freedom of being able to do whatever you want that keeps you creating all the time? Uh, no, I, like honestly, at this point, it's pretty much just a sustainable business. I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish when I hit like a billion views. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I've put my dent in the universe. Um, I can always find work. I can, I, I have a studio. There's always a show to do. Uh, but I think the podcast meeting stars, uh, as I come into my forties, maturing into more like what we're doing right now versus like mm-hmm. being that campy Ryan Seacrest kind of guys. I've done it. Uh, just getting to know people. And, and you know what? I've really, I've got a good taste of fame. I've got a good taste of success. I've covered my ass with my house and my finances or whatever. So I, I actually want to be a, a nicer person. And uh, I don't, I learned, I don't like making like, where are they now? Or mm-hmm. uh, throwing shade at whoever gets canceled. It just gives me no joy. And I want to move on from any of that kind of content and really make some friends and, and tell some nice stories. You being such a, being in the creative space for so long, I think that's what would make you such a good podcast host. Like what everybody want, and their mom wants to start a podcast now, but I think the true podcasters are the ones who actually enjoy the interview process, wanting to learn about and pick apart a person's life. So I think you actually interviewing some of the people who you've done the shows on and being able to learn from that would be a pretty interesting show to watch. That's cool. Really cool. I pre- yeah. I, like taking Jimmy Kimmel's job would probably be a big a big dream for me. That's something I wanted to talk about after, that would after be, this. We'll talk off camera, but I have some ideas for you for, for some concepts that I think would do very well on YouTube. Well, that's fantastic because I really need to pee and I don't <laughs> want to pee on camera again. <laughs> awesome. Well, anyways, thank you so much for having us or being on my show today. If people wanted to find you on social, what would they have to look up? Before they're famous is on every platform. Guess, they can find that. I guess it's pretty hard. Like I, you're one person that I shouldn't be. Having it's okay. That, but obviously you still got a plug. Find me on before they're famous. And then my personal Instagram is Michael McCrudden, BTWF. Thanks so much for watching this episode of the gray area. This episode is brought to you by content labs. Content labs is a studio for creators looking to step up their content game and take it to that next level. If you're looking to create content, don't forget to check out contentlabs.club. Anyways, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of The Gray Area. We will see you guys next week. But until then, peace out.